The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. John E. Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money, managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you create better financial habits, envision your long-term goals, and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of John E. Sistina and Company are on deck to show you the way. Thank you for joining the Managing to Be Wealthy podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Bennett. Joining me today are certified financial planner, Craig Konstantinovich, and founder, John Sestina. Hey, guys. How are you Hello. doing today? How are you doing, Trace? Nice to see you. Glad to be here with you today. Yeah. Good to uh, always be seen. Yeah, absolutely. Today's topic is getting a lot of media play. I'm, I'm anxious to get into it. We've had a lot of conversation in my own circle about this. Um, I've noticed it's a subject that can be kind of a tough one to navigate and for people to grasp. For those of you who are CFPs, not so much, but for those of us who are every people, um, it can be quite overwhelming. Uh, today's topic is social security optimization, maximizing social security benefits based on your circumstances. So let's get into it. Uh, timing is everything, right, John? Uh, yes, I'm, my time is over. Timing is over. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so, when it comes to claiming Social Security, I want to talk about the timing. You know, your decision, how it can significantly impact your overall plan. Right, um, Craig. What factors impact when are are kind of the most impacted when you start claiming your benefits? Let's go there. Yeah. So. Uh, first things first, it all comes back to age. Age is the primary factor around when you file Social Security benefits, what you're going to receive. Um, is it going to be the full amount that you're entitled to? Is it going to be reduced? Is it going to be greater? Um, but that decision on when you should file doesn't necessarily matter so much around your age, contrary to popular opinion. Uh, what it more so factors around is health. And so when we're talking about health and, and kind of what you're projecting, at least, again, removing any kind of personal circumstances aside, just looking at the raw data, the way Social Security is set up now is usually if you anticipate living past age 82, it makes sense for you to wait to file for Social Security as long as humanly possible. So right now, for most people, the full retirement age or the age where you can receive your full benefit without reduction is age 67. You can wait all the way until age 70 if you have the means, if you have other income that can help supplement and get you to that point. Um, if you do that, you'll be entitled to a greater benefit. But as long as we're thinking about it, if you think health-wise, based off of family history, based off of your current health, that you can make it past 82, probably makes sense to wait until age 67 or later to file, as opposed to filing for it earlier. And we'll get more into that, actually, more into the weeds on that a little bit. But, John, what are the first steps to prepare? I mean, I talk to people age range uh, 55 and upward, and everybody says the same thing. When am I supposed to apply? Do I have to apply? Can I keep working? And we'll go there. Uh, I don't want to get too far into that. But what are the first steps when you're when you're getting to that age? And again, you know, Craig, I'm kind of confused, actually, because this, uh, from an every person's perspective, you're talking, that was interesting that you said it's more about health. Um, 
So, you know, when you're looking at your own circumstances, do you say, okay, I'm healthy and I'm, I'm 60 or I'm healthy and I'm 55 or I'm not healthy and I'm 55? What's the perfect starting point? Well, the perfect starting point requires a crystal ball. <laughs> so that you know when is perfect time. No one knows. I mean, uh, if you look at my lifeline and my family, I should have been dead two years ago. So I've outlived all my relatives. So you, you, you should look at that. But the, the first thing you need to do is know what you have in Social Security. So go to the website. What's that website, Greg? That is ssa.gov. Yes, you go there and check on your status. You may be surprised that they overlook sometimes or skip sometimes, and uh, you have some credits due that you'll have to go fight for now. So when you when you when you do that, you figure out what you have as far as Social Security, and then you figure whether or not you have a beneficiary, uh, your spouse, hopefully, and uh, whether or not that beneficiary has her own or his own Social Security, mm-hmm. and how are you going to manipulate that or should you each take your own? Yeah, we're going to get there too. Let's not go too far <laughs> down. The, shut up. I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole. So that's too that's many good, good so, nuggets, John. So that's, too many good nuggets. So first steps, good good point. And and again, I'm speaking from the every person point of view. Um, before I worked here, I did not know that you could actually um, read that document and do anything with it. And mm-hmm. and then 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 you sit and say, well, where are my documents to fight that. And some people don't, and I did not have documents to fight that. Um, so I have no idea, you know, looking at my statement, if back in the day, if it was legitimately assessed and I have, then I have the right amount. So I'm kind of operating in good faith, probably like many other people, um, until I got smart working here and realized I had kind of do it better. <laughs> yeah. So to that point, if there is something that's missing, not every single time, this isn't just a, a blanket, hey, catch all here, but more times than not, self-employed individuals tend to be the biggest culprits for not having wages reported. Right. So that's where every single year, log in, double check that the wages that are reported on your tax returns are properly reflected on the Social Security. That statements. was my next question. Yep. So the tax return is the starting point then. Correct. Uh, based on what John's talking about, get yep. your tax return for that year and assess the annual um, gross. Correct. Okay. Great. All right. Let's talk about spousal benefits. I know you were excited to get into that, John. Let's oh, uh, okay. <laughs> let's talk about some strategies to op- optimize both benefits first. I want to go there first. Optimize both. Well, it's a little tricky because uh, folks are confused what they should do. Mm-hmm. And normally what people do is there's one primary age winner, winner earner, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's the secondary. And so when you go for your claim, you get your claim and your spouse will get a lesser amount. Now, if your spouse, we need to go into weeds on this, I guess. I agree. <laughs> oh, yeah. Unless your spouse has had a job also and built her his own Social Security benefit, then you have to look at that. Should that spouse take his or her own Social Security benefit or just try to be the spouse in this case? Yep. So, so that's the first one, right? Yep. And the spousal benefit, if... To John's point, if maybe there was a significant earnings gap or maybe there was no earnings on one spouse's behalf, the maximum amount you're allowed to file for on your other spouse's earnings history is up to 50% of their benefit. So if the one that had the highest amount of wages, the the more uh, lucrative career when it came to income, 
if they were entitled to, let's say, $40,000 from Social Security, and let's say the other spouse may have worked in, you know, a forty dollars or $50,000 a year um, position, they may be entitled to, let's say, 10000 from Social Security. But because of the spousal rule, they can file for an additional 10000 to bring their total benefit to 20000 so long as they've been married to their spouse for at least 10 years. And as long as there is, again, proper reporting of all wages, everything else, but as long as you check those boxes, yeah, as a household, you can now be bringing in up to 60000 a year from Social Security, as opposed to 50000 if you just did it based off of retirement benefits. Wow. Can I do that? <laughs> you sure can, if you haven't already, John. Should benefits be staggered? So, you know, spouse one files, let's say, at 65, mm-hmm. time to start collecting, and they decide to hold off on spouse two. Um a year, six months, five years? Is that a personal, is that subjective? What has that determined? I mean, again, it's all subjective. It all comes down to kind of what the plan looks like at that point in time. And and kind of to the point that I made earlier, health-wise, um, you know, let's say that there is someone who, John, it sounds like your family, unfortunately, maybe there isn't a lot of longevity that has historically happened. Right. Maybe you do want to file for Social Security benefits at age 62 because you don't know if you're going to see 78, 82, 90, 100. Um, that can influence it. Now, just because one spouse turns on their Social Security doesn't mean that both spouses have to. You have to factor in things like, that are was, they still working? Question, are right? they still doing other things? So it's not a, oh, one spouse decided to receive their benefits. Now the other spouse needs to do the same. It, it all comes back to more so. Where's the income at presently? What do we kind of envision our lifespan being? And then also coming back to the other means that we have, is there other means to help us kind of bridge the gap between both being on Social Security and or just one of us being on Social Security? You do have to file. It is required that you file. I remember I had not filed exactly right at 65. I was probably 66 or 7 when I went in with to the Social Security office. And he said, what's wrong with you? You hadn't filed. And I could have been penalized. The reason for that is Medicare kicks in mm-hmm. and Medicare is required at 65. So you have to be aware that you have to get uh, familiar with the Social Security people as you're going to be working with them for a while. Do you wait until you've had your 65th birthday to file for Social Security? Or no, can I would you... go sooner. Yeah. Is there a sit, magic? No, sit no down way. probably six months ahead of time with Social Security just to make sure that you know what's been reported to review your wage earnings um, history and, and make sure that everything's lined up. You also want to meet with a Medicare specialist because, again, Medicare is just the same alphabet soup as any other health insurance option. So same thing, probably about six months ahead of time is usually a good lead way to say, yeah, let's make sure we've got our ducks in a row so that way we can execute things once we reach that 65th birthday. Nope. You, you know how efficient the government is, so you can wait till the last minute if you want to, if you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and when you say sit down, are you talking about literally scheduling a meeting on site at, at a local Social Security office? Absolutely. I would do, yeah, oh, I would do. That's okay. what I did. Okay. And I would recommend that to everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. I did not know that. That's good to know. Yeah. So let's talk about working while you're receiving benefits, um, that landscape, because I this is this is uncharted territory for me. So, John, in what ways can this impact retirement plans? Uh, dramatically, if uh, should you do it is the first question. I mean, 
So that's something, well, that, or I guess our favorite phrase. It, it depends. depends. <laughs> I'm going to get a big placard made for the office. You guys are all going to get one. Sign we can put up here. <laughs> the two uh, ugliest words. <laughs> oh, discipline. Don't forget discipline. Yeah, discipline. That's the big one. So uh, it, it really depends. So uh, uh, if if both are working, and say Craig turns 65, he looks like he's 65. So you know he starts Pretty taking close. his benefit. And his spouse can make her own decision whether she wants to get benefit his part of his benefit or her own benefit. So that's where you start. I'm sorry. Just give me a second here. So Craig's working. He's ready to retire and start collecting. Mm-hmm. Wife is still working. Her spouse is still working. Um, and she can elect either to or not to collect while he's collecting as long as she's 65 or older. Uh, even if she's younger. Well, right. yeah. Oh, okay. So Social Security, you can start collecting as early as age 62. Most okay. people have their full retirement age at age 67 right now. Right. So if you file within that five-year window, you're going to be entitled to a reduced benefit. So same example I was using earlier, let's say wage earners out there, they're entitled to 40000 a year from Social Security. You read the fine print on those statements or you sit down with the Social Security office they're going to say, yes, that's what you're entitled to if you wait until age 67 and continue contributing to the system the same amount you have been over the last five years, roughly. If you meet those criteria, then yes, at age 67, you can get 40000 a year in benefit. If, however, we decide we want to file for it at 62, now we may be entitled to only 32000 in benefits, not 40000 And then obviously each year that you get closer to 67, that reduction changes and it's going to be less less impactful, but that's where it is a permanent reduction in benefits. The only way that you could ever possibly get that full 40,000 again would be if you were to write back a lump sum check for everything you received and then said, instead, I would like to have filed as if I waited until age 67, not filing at age 62. It's a math problem. So I took us off, it kind of took us off the rails here. Let's go back to, so I guess the the moral of the story here is understand what you need, what what your health looks like, and be organized and proactive and sit down with Social Security first. So now you're both working. Um, You decide you're going to file for Social Security. Spouse is still working and trying to decide in tandem with your decision what to do. Right Now, if you are under the the, uh, age, the required age, and you're taking benefits, and you make money on uh, from your job, that can also affect the benefit. You have to replace. You get uh, what two dollars of credit for every one dollar of Social Security or something mm-hmm. like that. It costs you, and you so, pay taxes on Social Security. And you know, it's really remarkable how fair our government is. <laughs> when we put the money into Social Security, it's not tax deductible. When we take it out, it is taxable. There is no other program in the in the tax law that does that that I know of. Mm-hmm. So okay. it should be if it's deductible going in, taxable coming out. Mm-hmm. If it's not deductible going in, tax free coming out, not Social Security. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it you know so to the bigger question, you know, does it make sense having Social Security while you're still working? I mean, that may catapult you into a different tax bracket, right? So if all of a sudden you go from the 24% marginal tax bracket to the 32%, 
you may be saying, well, I'm not really getting any benefit from having my social security paid out to me. So that's the other factor you have to look at is what other streams of income are you going to have? What other investments do you have and how are the taxes going to play there? And then you tie that into filing for social security and, and getting those benefits. Not, we haven't even touched on one of the bigger pieces too, where let's say we have one spouse that has a government pension, not social security or hadn't contributed to the system. That creates a whole different set of complexities and a whole different set of uh, planning that needs to be involved there. So Great the point. flashing sign, it depends. <laughs> well, and the other thing too, is there are age requirements to those other investments as well. So it's something to consider. You really have to kind of map it out early. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. And, you know, again, if you're going to be retiring early too, this is going to play an impact on it because that's another show. Yeah. That's a whole another show, whole another conversation, <laughs> but I thought we were doing that, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, again, if you don't put in enough credits, you may not necessarily get anything from social security either. So to John's point about understanding what you have, knowing what you've contributed, absolutely. That's the first step. Sometimes we take that for granted, but you know, if you do retire at, let's say 55 years old, or maybe you do have the ability to retire at 40 years old. That's going to have a bigger impact on the social security projections as well. So you really got to factor all that in as you're coming into uh, making that final decision. What do you mean it has an impact on your projections, on your income? When you re- So if you're 40 and retire, mm-hmm. okay, you don't take your social security because you don't need it yet. Right. You're, you're making your billion dollars a week on your investments over there. And then you hit 65. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you going to get full benefit? Is everything okay then? So you're not probably going to get what was originally forecasted at age 40. That's right. Because you haven't put in consistently enough to the system because investment income is not going to be deemed social security eligible. Right. So, so there'll be a gap in your, when you look system. at your chart, there'll, yep. be, there'll be blanks as it were that you didn't put any money into social security. Mm-hmm. So that may affect your long-term benefit. Bingo. Got it. What can singles do? I mean, if you've got somebody who's, you know, trying to figure this out on their own, no spouse, uh, how can they optimize their Social Security benefits? Is that basically just cut and dry based on their health and their age? And then they kind of start from square one, like we were talking about earlier. It's probably easier for, the, I think, for the single person mm-hmm. because there aren't the complexities of the other. The, the complexity is, do they have a government retirement program or another program that would impact Social Security? But beyond that, I I don't think it's too much compl- too complicated. Yeah. No, I mean, again, it, it really comes down to at that point, and you hear people say it all the time, hey, I've put into Social Security for this long. I want to make sure I get something out of it. I mean, probably at that point, you're looking more so around uh, tax planning around Social Security right. as well as longevity. Um, but no, to John's point, it's probably going to be a lot more simple than some of the complexities of do I file off of a spouse's benefit, those kind of things. But the one thing I will say is, Single doesn't necessarily mean that they have never had a spouse or a significant other. The way that the social security system is set up right now, if you've been married for 10 years to someone, that entitles you potentially to a benefit from their social security benefit. Even if you're divorced. If you're divorced, yep. And yep. if you've been married twice, you get to pick the the, the better, the, the higher amount if you've been married 10 years to each spouse, right? Not not that I've been made aware of. I wasn't sure that. I, 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 the way that it's been interpreted or the way that it's been explained to me is 
you can file based off of the most recent marriage. You can't pick which one you want. Gotcha. You can always pick your benefit, but you can't necessarily pick between which spouse was the higher earner. Are you trying to get greedy here? No, I'm recalling here previous conversations from another life. Okay. Um, So you're single. Let's say you're divorced. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's just change that. Let's say your single spouse is deceased. You're now collecting your social security. You can collect theirs as well. So this was changed a couple of years ago. Um, so that would be what they call the file and suspend method. So you could file for your benefit, suspend it, and then elect to take your spouse's benefit or the 50% there while your benefit continued to grow and accrue more interest. Um, Social Security, as much as they are in the headlines for not making changes, there are times where they do make adjustments. That option, that filing method, went away, <clears throat> excuse me, went away, but... Now, deceased spouses, that's a whole different category. That's a whole different conversation. And honestly, maybe something that we have to dedicate almost an entire show to (laughs) just because there are even further complexities that happen at that point. So divorced is one thing. Widowed or um, a surviving spouse is an entirely different set of conversation topics and points. And then obviously married with both spouses still uh, working or alive. That's a whole different one. So I know John said it depends, and we keep saying that, but really you can start to see there's a lot of layers you have to peel back on the onion here. So you have options. So talk to Social Security before you react and and create your system. Talk to Social Security about what other options you are, because a lot of people don't know about that, Mm -hmm. right? And by the way, there there are several very good newsletters on Social Security. Mm -hmm. Uh, I get one every, every month, I guess it is, and this guy has been writing on this for like 30 years. He gets all these innuendos and all the fine points. And I you really learn from this. Mm-hmm. And you're surprised, too, as you read it. Yeah, I guess so. Thought I knew what, what I needed to know, but this has been enlightening so far. Let's talk about the impact of early claiming. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, you, and you got into this a little bit earlier, and I've had these conversations with friends of mine who you know, want to wait until they're 70, or should mm-hmm. I wait until I'm 70? Can I collect now? Do Is it worth it? What's that sort of chess game that you play? What's that look like? And how do you approach it? Yeah. John, you want to start? Oh, well, I was going to say, come on, John. Well, I give you the floor for crying out loud. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, it's it's an interesting conversation. To, first of all, you mm-hmm. have to decide if you can afford to wait. And then you have to do the calculation Greg brought up much earlier. If you're, What's your lifeline ex- expectation? And that would affect should you take it now or later? But a lot of people know that if you wait till 70, your benefit goes up. Some reports say it goes up as much as 8%. And you see a lot of advertising out there. These people want to help you with your Social Security. And that's basically what they're talking about. So it's, uh, what else? <laughs> it, it depends. depends. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, the, the biggest impact there is, again, that does permanently reduce your social security benefit. So, you know, if you're sitting there saying to yourself, gee, I I see on my statement, I could be entitled to four grand a month from social security um, if I wait until age 67. But you know what? I paid into that system. I want to make sure I get my money out. Let me go ahead and lock it in at 62. Well, at that point, maybe you're only entitled to 2,800 a month from social security. Still something, but it's not the full amount that you're eligible for. That break-even age or that that age that I threw out there of age 82, 
basically what that says is if you live past 82, it's better to wait to file for benefits because you will reap more of a total reward from Social Security for waiting than if you had filed earlier. So, again, it's one of those things where it does depend. It does come down to personal preferences and circumstances. Um, and to John's point, if you've got the assets that can help bridge the gap between when you're eligible versus when you file. But that's the beauty of planning is we get to talk about this. We get to figure it out. Um, and a lot of times we get to help educate people on what their options actually are, because to your point, Tracy, most people just look at it and say, yeah, 65, I'm eligible for Medicare. Right. 65 sounds like a great retirement age. I guess I'm starting my Social Security benefit at 65. Right. And there are tax planning issues that mm -hmm. you have to follow yep. and plan with a client because it is complicated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, let's talk about re incorporating the benefits into your retirement. Can you reinvest your benefits into your retirement? Is that done? Yeah. Yeah. So into your retirement, you mean so you into Social Security? Yeah. I mean, is that no. something that's relevant? You hear people talking about reinvesting their Social Security, questioning, should I reinvest my Social Security? Maybe they have investments already. Should they take the Social Security benefit and reinvest it? So let's, again, we'll keep the same example here we've been working with. Let's say you're entitled to 40000 from Social Security, but between your required minimum distribution from your retirement accounts and between the other investments that you have, you really only need 15000 from Social Security. Well, the remaining 25000 that's your money. It's paid out to you. You can do whatever you want with it at that point. So if you do have a taxable account or something that is after tax, not an IRA, not a 401k, but if you do have something else other than those kind of accounts, yeah, you can invest that money in there. That's that's no problem at all. But that then kind of begs the question, do you really need to file for Social Security at that point? Ah, and there it is. It depends, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> she, we, we got her. I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Believe me, I'm wearing the tattoo every day. <laughs> so the takeaway here is that retirement planning involves various components. Um, if you're starting to think about Social Security and what you should do and when you should start kind of digging into the process and you have questions, give us a call. We'll offer you a complimentary consultation. You can sit down with one of our CFPs and and look at your own details, your own baseline to figure out what what the best uh, choreography for you is for you financially. Um, we appreciate you joining us as usual, and we hope you'll come back again for some more great topics and great financial literacy. We are managing to be wealthy. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Managing to be Wealthy podcast. We help you make the most of your money without any hidden fees or commissions. Remember, the best investment you can make is in yourself and your financial future. Keep listening for more expert advice and tips. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to schedule a one-hour complimentary consultation to discuss your financial concerns. Visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com.